eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We have a very special show for you today. We're recording this Wednesday morning around 10 a.m., um, you know, 12 hours or, or less since the Hubert Davis hiring. And we're bringing on Jawad Williams, uh, 2005 national champion. He's playing basketball in Japan right now. Um, it's What time is it there, Jawad? Uh, 11.03 p.m. 11.03 p.m. And I'm Ross Martin, and this is Greg Barnes. We're going to have a free-flowing conversation all about UNC basketball, Roy Williams, and the Hubert Davis hire. I'll start off, Jawad. Um, really appreciate you coming on. But when you heard the news of uh, Roy Williams, your coach, you played for him for two years, news of him retiring, what went through your mind? Uh, it was shock at first. I just didn't think he was going to walk away the way he did. Um, I think it kind of took everybody back, you know, being that he didn't – it wasn't like a buildup. It wasn't like a one-last-run type thing. It was just I'm out. Um, I was shocked at first. Uh, I was shocked, and that was immediately followed by who's next. You know, that was the next question immediately. What were your kind of initial thoughts when you said who's next, when you asked yourself who's next? Uh, I had a very short list of guys I wanted to see, all from within the Carolina family. I mean, I guess it's safe to say is Coach Steve Robinson, uh, Hubert Davis, Wes Miller, Jerry Stackhouse. That was that was my list. Juwan, one thing that stood out to me about Roy's retirement press conference uh, that even as a media member I did not necessarily like was the fact that, that Roy, instead of using it as an opportunity to kind of celebrate his career, um, he really was kind of critical of himself in terms of saying that he was no longer the right man for the job. He couldn't connect with the guys the way that he thought he should, and that's how he kind of left it. Um, from your vantage point, when you heard him make those comments, kind of, kind of what, what were your, your thoughts? I, I'm with you. I was kind of – I didn't like it at all. I mean, you talk about a guy who has 903 wins, three national championships, and you're up there blaming yourself for uh, not even a bad year, you know, just not a year that Carolina fans or the Carolina uh, basketball is used to. Uh, I didn't like him blaming himself at all. I mean, he, we had tough times. It happens. You know, no program is going to be on top every year. And, you know, like you say, he should have been celebrating himself. I mean, hopefully we celebrate him the right way and uh, send him out, you know, on this horse. 
Have you got a chance to talk to, to Roy or, or exchange messages with, messages with him? I haven't. Uh, I did text him immediately after I got the news, but I'm pretty sure he's busy. So, um, yeah. you know, when I get home, I'm pretty sure we'll end up meeting up somewhere or, you know, be able to sit down and talk. But I do want to pick his brain and just figure out why. You know what I mean? I know he was, you know, he had some health issues and everything. Glad I'm glad that he's 100% healthy and I didn't play into him retiring. But, you know, I just – you get so used to seeing somebody uh, – and then all of a sudden they said they're not going to be there anymore. It's kind of weird, you know? Yeah. And it, Go ahead, Greg. I was going to say, in the, in the years to come, we're all going to have uh, different memories and opinions on what Roy's legacy actually was uh, once we get away from retirement. I know that's, that's a big question to ask, but kind of how do you view Roy's legacy from, from what you know of him? Uh, I view him as being a leader of men, a guy who – went out on a limb to create, to make better people more than anything else. You know, he had tons of NBA players, uh, created tons of great coaches, but I think the biggest thing is he, he made better people. Um, outside of what he did for us on the court, I feel like he made made me a better person more than anything, and I'll, I'll always be grateful for that. What did your group chats and conversations with other members of the Carolina family look like um, starting Thursday? To, to now, I mean, what are some things you can share? Who you talk to? What's kind of the vibe with those conversations? You know, I got. I think I told you before that group chat spans from yeah years and years before me till current guys, and everybody was in disbelief. First of all, and then the, the what same way like I told you, like right away, those messages went to the job has to stay within the family, and that was it's been that way the whole time. And then when Hubert. They announced Hubert got the job. Everybody was celebrating Hubert in our group chat. Yeah, so for our listeners, we had Jawad on. It was during the pandemic. You were back in Durham. It was you know probably less than a year ago. It was, I think it was me and Tommy, actually. And Jawad told us about this epic UNC family group chat that has all the former players. I think it's a WhatsApp chat, and it spans all these different generations. So that's what he's referring to there. Um, I mean, personally, what does Roy mean to you? Um, he's a great leader. He's a great leader. He's a guy who went out his way to make sure everybody was comfortable. Uh, he means a lot to me because, like I said, he made me a better person. And uh, he's always had open arms for me, uh, being that I still live in the area. I'm in the gym 24-7. We constantly seen each other late nights at the gym, him, him working and me working out. We constantly cross paths. And it was nothing for him to sit down and have a conversation with me, have a conversation with my family. And, uh, you know, those things mean a lot. Joad, you mentioned that that group text that spans generations. Um, you, you, I, I think your situation in North Carolina, along with, with Melvin and, and Jackie's, is one of the most fascinating in, in Carolina history. I mean, you're going from eight and twenty into a national championship, and, and bridging some uh, some some struggles there within the program when Roy came on. Uh, Hubert mentioned at his press conference yesterday uh, that he he wanted to get guys on his staff that that played for Dean played for coach Guthridge and then also played for Roy. Can you speak to the Carolina family and, and the way that it, it bridges all these different periods from highs and lows to, to wins and losses. And that just seems like it's a very unique thing. It's not coach specific, but program specific. It's because we all been through the same struggles. Um, I was not asked to do anything that Michael Jordan was not asked to do. Theo Pinson was not asked to do anything that, 
Bill Chamberlain was asked to do. You know, those same uh, teaching, we had the same teachings, you ran the same offense, everything was the same. We all, we all hit that freshman wall. We all had to fight through some type of adversity. And uh, each coach continued the legacy and, and spilled over into the players. Anything else, Greg, on that? No, that's got it. Okay, great. We're going to take a quick break and talk about Johnny T-shirt. When we come back, we're going to talk um, with Jawad about the Carolina family, about Hubert Davis, get his thoughts on, on that hire and, and maybe some other staff hires, things like that. Um, Giant T-shirt and giantt-shirt.com right on Franklin Street. Your one-stop shop for all your UNC apparel, jerseys, baseball jerseys, soccer jerseys, football, basketball, hats, sweatshirts, everything you need, Johnny T-shirt and giantt-shirt.com. And inside, Carolina subscribers can get 10% off your Giant T-shirt order with the premium code found on the premium message boards, Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt. Dot com. See if you can find a 2005 national championship t-shirt. Do I've told you this, that was my freshman year at Carolina and I still have those uh, 2005 national championship t-shirts. I only buy t-shirts if we win, a, if, if UNC wins a title. So I have the, uh, I didn't get one in 17 because I covered that team, but I have an 09 one, an 05 one. That was, uh, thanks for getting that title. That was, that was a fun year. <laughs> hey man, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, that was, that was incredible. I mean, the transformation that Greg talked about. Um, all right, so Huber Davis is the head coach. The press conference was yesterday. Greg and I were there. Um, you mentioned the group chat. You mentioned um, the candidates that, that you showed interest in or were interested in, in definitely being considered. Um, I guess, what were you looking for in a coach? If you were the AD, what would you kind of look for to, to lead this program? Because you did mention some names. Uh, somebody who can relate to what's going on with these kids nowadays. Uh, you know, Coach Williams, you know, he felt like he couldn't relate to the kids and get things through. Uh, and that's not his fault. I think some, the, the times have changed and you have to approach people a certain type of way um, to get your point across. And it doesn't help that um, these kids have so many people in their ears nowadays. And, you know, so I feel like that was one, that was one of the biggest things. Somebody needed to be able to relate to the players and after that, somebody who would just be a great leader. Um, and I witnessed Hubert being in the gym. Coach Davis, I don't want to no disrespect to him. Coach Davis being in the gym with the kids every single day in the summertime. Because I'm there every day working out, doing my thing. And then I'll Coach Davis is walking in with one of the players, and he's there putting the hours on the court with these guys. So I've seen him interact with these kids. I've seen him get the best out of these kids, and I feel like he was the right man for the job. Yeah, one thing I noticed in the press conference was he mentioned how he loved working with Walker Kessler and working with the players after practice, the extra time. And so that stood out. You kind of relayed that information as well, that you know, Hubert is definitely one that's going to put individual time on the uh, on players to really improve their game. Yeah, Hubert put – Coach Davis, sorry. Coach <laughs> Davis put in a lot of work with those guys. And I, and I didn't even get to meet the new guys, Dayron and Walker and those guys. I didn't get to meet them because of the pandemic. So I would be in the practice gym. They would be in the, on the main floor. We couldn't really interact because of COVID and everything. We didn't want to, you know, we didn't want any complications. So, but I did, going back to Luke May and Theo Penton, I would jump in those workouts with those guys to help him out, you know, give and to give Luke a big man's perspective, mm -hmm. for example. And um, he put in a lot of hours in that gym. And, uh, you know, it's tough to say. I, I know nobody putting in more man hours in that gym than me, but I'm pretty sure he's up there. Joe, I want to drill down a little bit on how times have changed. It's easy. It's easy for for me, and I think a lot of people outside the sport, 
to see how the, the game is being played differently in terms of you know, more of a reliance on the three-point shot, uh, more of a reliance on kind of getting to the rim. We can see those aspects of, of change. But, but when you talk about and when, when the coaches talk about how kids have changed, can you kind of flesh that out a little bit more for us? Um, let's, let's talk about the transfer portal, for example. I was okay. shocked to hear you can enter the transfer portal with literally, what, like three clicks? Like transfer, <laughs> confirm, and then, you know, you're pretty much in the transfer portal. That was unheard of. I, that blew my mind, you know. I remember you had to call to school, get the transcript and all this other stuff. And, you know, it was a lot. There was a lot going on. And now it's, you know, kids are worried about their draft status and things like that. I mean, people worried about those things back in the day, but I feel like now it's even more prevalent than it was back then. You know what I mean? And um, it's just a lot going on around these kids. Kids have camps now. Like, instead of their parents and, you know, maybe siblings, a couple friends, they have, like, literal camps. You know, you don't know if they're dealing with agents or whatever. I'm not going to put that on anybody. But, you know, you, you, you hear a kid like, yeah, you got to talk to his camp. Who is his camp? Like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, you got to be specific in that range. But, you know, things are changing, you know. So that, that's the biggest thing off the court for me. Hubert made a, made a point yesterday, and I, I think this kind of goes in line with what Roy Williams has done on the recruiting trail. But he said he, he doesn't like the idea that, that kids see – uh, college destinations as a place that can serve them, but rather he wants to find kids. They should go somewhere and, and serve that place while they're there and then move on eventually. Um, do you think that's a, that's going to be a challenge on the recruiting trail, or do you think there's enough quality kids still around in terms of that mindset who you know, coach Davis will be able to, to bring in plenty of good guys? I think there's enough quality kids out there. Um, but it's a, it has to be a give-take situation, in my opinion, because, uh, you know, you don't get – outside of your scholarship, you really don't get rewarded for being a student athlete. You know what I mean? Those kids went through a lot this year, and I don't think people really understand the sacrifice. They did not have the college experience that a lot of us were fortunate to have. Um, they spent 24-7 with each other. That's not fun. You know what I mean? Now, after a long day of practice, last thing I want to do is come home and Come go to my apartment or my dorm room and see Sean May again. You know what I mean? You need you need a break from each other, and they had to they had to sacrifice a lot. Um, you know, and hats off to those kids for having to deal with that. I think another thing that is um, what UNC is kind of dealing with and across basketball is the versatility of players, the, the positionless basketball. You know, UNC under Roy Williams had two traditional big men, but it's changed a little bit. You were more of a stretch four. You could shoot the three. Marvin Williams was a stretch four. Um, could bang and could also shoot the three. Luke May was kind of that player as well. But um, I feel like those teams is those teams with a with a quality stretch four <clears throat> are teams that have good spacing can can really operate with the two big system. When they have two, you know, bigs who can't stretch the four is sometimes when they struggle. This year, they had some issues with spacing with with Garrison Brooks, uh, Dayron Walker, and Armando Baycott. How do you see the game going, and how do you see teams like UNC adapting to this um, more versatile type, I guess, positionless basketball while molding in what what UNC has, uh, you know, traditionally done? I think they'll get back to the stretch four thing. Um, I think the stretch four is a very important uh, position, especially in the Carolina secondary break, um, because it gives better spacing. So if you have a guy, I, I can only speak from experience. We have Sean May down low. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's no point for me to take my man into the paint with shine when he's down there doing work. I can stand outside, stretch the floor, and if my man go help, I make him pay for it. Um, and I think opening the floor like that does a lot for the post players. Um, you know, if Garrison comes back, if Armando comes back, those guys will have more room to operate inside, and I think that makes them a lot more dangerous offensively. Um, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, the traditional two bigs, it's tough to play, um, not only on offense, because uh, they kill the offensive glass, which is great. Mm-hmm. But on the defensive end is where, you know, you can kind of get exposed by another stretch four because big men have a, a tendency to play the lines. Don't come out the paint or they won't cross the three-point line. And when you're a stretch four, which I've been my entire career, I know guys are scared to come past that line because they're vulnerable now. So either you're going to come out here and get me and I'll go around you or you're going to stop right there and give up a three. And I think that opens up the floor for everybody and allows you to be a playmaker. Yeah, it's a great point. It's like, I guess I didn't really realize it, but UNC's best teams have been the ones with a, a power forward, a stretch forward, who could shoot the mid-range jumper and even extend it to the three line. Luke May, Ewan Marvin, even Deion Thompson had a really nice kind of 18-foot jumper. Um, you know, the, the John Henson, Tyler Zeller one was a little bit different. Those guys weren't as... Um, versatile in terms of shooters, but they could, they're very athletic. And maybe that was the impact there. It's just interesting to kind of think of that. Greg, you have any, anything to add on kind of that stretch forward topic or. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think because of the roster construction this year, um, I don't know if narrative is the right word or not, but, but it seemed like a lot of people were kind of harping on the fact that, that Roy Williams's system was outdated, maybe a little bit you know, archaic. Uh, just because of his emphasis on the inside-out approach, uh, as well as utilizing two bigs, um, you know, I think the fact that they really had three centers on the team, with Garrison being the only probably true power forward who could step outside a little bit, uh, as well as you know relying on so many freshmen in the backcourt and the challenges that a freshman year represents. Um, what's what's your take on that? I, I thought some of that was a little bit overblown. I mean, do you, do you think Hubert Davis is going to have to take some significant strides or it really is just a matter of you know, maybe implementing more of a stretch four and that, that solves a lot of these conversation issues? I think Coach Williams had to deal with what he had. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not his fault. He had that many bigs. You know what I mean? Some guys, Nasir Little left early. You know, you have some, some changes and you need guys to step up. You know, as a freshman, it's hard to come in and, and be – effective right away in the Carolina offense. It's hard. I don't care what freshman you are, you're going to hit a wall at some point and you got to fight through it. Um, the stretch forward, I think that archaic word is, is it's a little too much. You know what I mean? Because I, like I said, it's a, plus, it's a give and take with it. You had two bigs and they dominated the offensive glass. You couldn't keep them off the wall. That's probably their best offense was shooting it up. You're going to get it. Um, and that's something you have to sacrifice when you have a stretch four on the floor because, you know, a guy away from the basket, you got to get back on defense, all that type of stuff. But um, I think Coach Coach Davis would do a great job of implementing, you know, me personally, I hope to see Walker Kessler come back. Um, from what I've seen from him, I feel like he can be that stretch four guy, um, even though he's, what, seven feet tall. But, yeah. you know, being able to shoot the ball and play inside is, a, is a, something that – I would love to see in a uniform, Carolina jersey. Did you listen to the press conference and hear that Walker Kessler comments? I didn't. I didn't. I haven't had a chance to really sit down and uh, listen to the, the press conference just yet. Yeah. So basically at the end, um, Hubert made like a, a plea to get Walker Kessler back. He said he wants Walker back. 
He's a great guy, great great family, Carolina man, all this stuff. He's gonna te- he's texted him. He's gonna he was gonna call him last night, and so he really made like a public push to get Walker Kessler back. You never transferred. You don't know much about the transfer portal, but what do you think is the dynamics there? I think it's just crazy. You know, he left. I mean, people have been kind of killing him for leaving and bashing him and his family for leaving Carolina. Um, but there's, it seems like there's kind of a, a door for him to come back. And what do you think about that? Well, I feel like, first of all, the kid should be able to do whatever he feels best for him. I mean, technically, you don't owe anybody anything. You know, you owe it to yourself and to your family to be happy and be where you can be productive. Um, if, if Walker does come back, I'm pretty sure everybody will change those same, you know, negative tweets or whatever they did. Mm-hmm. They'll change them. You know, it happens all the time and they'll love them again. And, uh, you know, if Walker does come back, he's one of the guys in the summertime I love to get my hands on and just work with him a little bit. Love it. Um, all right, let's get out here on this. Hubert Davis, you told me you kind of – you know him. You've hung around him. You know him personally. Can you give, a, give us a little bit of a glimpse um, into Hubert Davis, the man, and we can, we can go from there? Uh, great guy. Coach Davis is a great guy. Like, you know, there's a list of great guys, and that top two on that list has to be uh, Marvin Williams and Hubert Davis. Um, those are two great guys that he loves the University of North Carolina. Um, he gives a hundred percent effort. Uh, I've seen, like I said, I've seen, I witnessed his workouts. I witnessed how he pushes guys. I witnessed how he encourages guys. Uh, I think he's going to be very, very successful as a head coach. Juwad Hubert is the, the 19th uh, UNC men's basketball head coach. He's the fifth in the last 60 years. And probably most importantly, he is the first black head coach in North Carolina in the men's basketball program. Um, what is the significance of that aspect of the hire for you? And how do you, how do you see that uh, impact playing out uh, with, within the Carolina family, but with also, you know, with, with Carolina basketball or college basketball in general across the country? First of all, I'm glad that UNC decided to make that change. Um, and I think it's very forward thinking, uh, first of all, because, most of college athletes, I don't know the percentage, but a lot of them are, are young black men. And some of us need some black men need to be led by other black men. And so I'm glad that UNC was able to make that, to see that and, you know, put that, put Hubert, Coach Davis in that position. Uh, and I think moving forward, it only helps recruiting. Because once again, like I said, you, young black men are also looking for young, for, for black leadership as well. Uh, I think it's only going to help the university. It's going to strengthen recruiting and everything else. Do you have any concerns over his inexperience as a head coach? He has not been a head coach. Uh, concerns? Not really. I'm more concerned with the personnel uh, right now because everything is so up in the air. We don't know who's going to be on the on the team and all that type of stuff. But as a leader, uh, who is a head, you know, who is their head coach. Uh, I'm not really concerned about that part of it. My, my biggest concern is who's coming and who's, staying, who's going. And we've reported that um, Greg Barnes reported that uh, for his staff, for the three lead assistants, the, the names we're hearing um, predominantly King Rice, um, Jeff Lebo, and, and your guy, Sean May. Um, I guess, what do you think about those three guys? And also what do you think makes up a great staff? What kind of, people do you need to have do you need to have a guy who can really recruit do you need to have a guy that is a defensive specialist I mean what what do you kind of look for when you're looking at a, at a college coaching staff first of all I love that staff honestly uh 
Why do you love it? You got a mix of everything. You got guys from different eras. Um, you got Sean who can handle the bigs and teach them how to operate in the post. You got King. And I think you always need an enforcer on your bench and your staff. And I think that guy's King Rice. Um, he's a leader. He's, he has some fire to him. And I feel like he'll get guys in line. I like that. I really do like that three. I really do. When you say enforcer, uh, what do you mean? Like, like just kind of a, a bulldog? A um, yeah, 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 yeah. On most college staff in any roster, whether it be professional or whatever it is, the head coach is like the guy you really can't talk to. Then you're always best friends with the assistant. And then it's always that one assistant where you're mm -hmm. cool with them, but you know not to cross that line. You know you can't complain too much to him because he'll get you back in line. And I feel like King Rice is that could be that guy. So I, I, that's why I like that three, those three. And I think Jeff Lebo, he's been a head coach four different times. Mm -hmm. And so he definitely can be in an advisory role because um, he's been there, yeah, he's been there, done that. Jeff Lebo is coming from the G League, correct? He, I think the last stop was as an assistant for the Charlotte Hornets G League team. Yeah. So once again, you know, that, that professional – He's coming with professional, uh, a professional background of dealing with players who want to be at the next level. So he'll know how to, you know, get those guys in line and get them prepared to move on. Greg, you got anything else? No, nope, that was great. My one last question. Uh, we really appreciate Jawad coming from all the way from Japan, calling us late night. Um, I mean, you're, I mean, see, you are, I want to guess here, 38 years old? Yes. Yep. What's what's left for you professionally, and are you interested in getting into coaching and getting back in the game here in America? Uh, my plan has always been to uh, play till forty. I'm on pace to do that. I can do it pretty easily at this point. Um, but I, I've you know I've had a few coaching opportunities come my way. Uh, twice they wasn't quite what I wanted, uh, but I turned them down because you know, to continue my professional career. But there are a couple of jobs that I would not turn down. Um, Carolina basketball being one. Uh, but, you know, as of right now, I'm enjoying myself as a professional athlete. I only get to do this once. Mm -hmm. And I have a very supportive wife who said, play until you can't play anymore. And, you know, they're waiting on me to get home. And with Sean May on the staff, uh, you definitely have an in. Uh, that's not that you would need one. Uh, do you want to plug your books uh, that, you're, that you're selling? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I started a children's book series based on the travels of my, my children. Uh, Nyla, the first book is Nyla Nash Take Paris. The second is Nyla Nash Take Tokyo. The third, which I'll be releasing within the next couple weeks or so, is Nyla Nash Take Istanbul. Uh, it's a four-book series. I can't tell anybody what the fourth one will be. And then I also have a nursery rhyme book coming out. Uh, for my twins, because I didn't want them growing up and asking where their book was. So uh, I'm working on getting that one finished up, too. And where can we get those books? Those books are available on NylaNash.com, N-A-I-L-A-H, and A-N-D, Nash, N-A-S-H.com. Or just simply go to Amazon and search Nyla Nash or search my name. They'll pop up. All right. Great, Joel. Really appreciate it, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, right, thanks, Joel. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.